0: Okay. Hello and welcome to Bread and Thread podcast about food and domestic
1: history. I'm Liz. And I'm Hazel. We are two friends who studied history together. And no, that's not right. We studied archaeology together, and we love history. History. (laughs) I'm drinking today. What are you drinking? I'm drinking blackberry wine. It's my my inaugural wine from last year for my first time ever, I decided to open a bottle now to see if it had matured any better. Because um, I tried it a few months ago um, when it's six months were up and it was okay. But um, I think it's better now. I reckon I can do better next time, but uh, it's certainly drinkable, which is what I am doing. Um, You're going down I'm- the Liam Perrin's route of just keep trying it until it tastes good. Yeah, I'm doing this for science. um oh you might be interested in the actually what I was going to talk about for this bit was um on Sunday I went out and collected some nettles oh and they are now retting in my back garden so that's the process of breaking down the outside of the nettle in order to extract the fibers inside and then when that's done I'm going to try and spin those fibers and make a nettle thing
0: I imagine the retting process is a lot more sophisticated than when I made nettle string at the Young Archaeologists Club. How did you do that? Bashed it with a rock. That'll do it. (laughs) I mean, it it did work. You bash it with a rock and then you twist it up a bunch and then Hmm. it's string. Yeah, it worked. I still have like a
1: miniature hand (laughs) axe that I made somewhere. That is a very you sentence, and it's amazing.
0: When I, when, I mean, when I say miniature, I do mean like three inches, but I do separately oh. also have a hand axe that I did at a flint napping
1: workshop, so
0: I'm like two-thirds of the way to an actual hand axe.
1: <laughs> three hand axes in a trench coat. <laughs> um. So, yeah, net- nettles are going to happen. I think um, the process is, uh, the retting process breaks it down more so that you get the fibres separated more so that they're kind of softer and more, like, garmenty. Um, incidentally, I very conveniently made friends with a professional weaver, which is, like, the best job ever. Ooh. And um, she lent me some shawls and jackets and things that were made in nepal from um nepalese nettles which are really really long uh tall so they have long fibers um and yeah they're amazing and i really want to try and like like recreate one um so i'll put some pictures of those on the twitter i'm
0: very excited to see this
1: yeah and what about you
0: um I've been continuing my thing of cooking a meal from a random country every week or so. That sounds like a good thing. It's great. I I made um if I'm saying it right which I'm probably not um chashu. Ooh, the chicken not chicken. The
1: pork um dumplings that you get in dim sum a lot. Oh my goodness! I've I've never had those, but I have seen pictures of them, and it was so good.
0: <sighs>
1: I'm being told that chashu is just
0: the meat, and what I made was chashu bao. Ah, the bao is the bun.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, that's the the fluffy um bun thing, right? Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, and I've also
0: I also made uh, paprikash. Mm-hmm. It's like a Hungarian chicken stew. I did mess up a little bit because I picked up the jar of red powder and I put a ton in, and then I saw that it was chili
1: powder in not <laughs> paprika. How much chili powder did you did you put in this?
0: A couple of tablespoons. What <laughs> half a? About half a tablespoon proportionally. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah,
1: that's a a lot of spicy red powder.
0: Luckily, I then put in a lot of uh, sour cream, so it ended up like, definitely spicier than I think was intended, but really nice. Okay. And I did put paprika in as well, obviously.
1: (laughs) Of course. Just in case you needed some more red. Well,
0: I mean, based on the name, I'm assuming paprika is quite important to Mm Paprikash. Just at a guess, I don't don't know Hungarian, (laughs) but I feel like there's a good chance.
1: I think Hungarian food involves a lot of paprika. Generally, yeah. I mean, for good reason. It's delicious.
0: I love paprika. We got smoked paprika. Oh. The best kind.
1: (laughs) Everything is better smoked. Sweet paprika, don't at me. (laughs) <laughs> so what are we learning about this week so I started looking
0: at Trifle um, just as a kind of oh that could be a fun local ladder thing mm-hmm. and then I fell in a
1: wiki hole you you fell in a never ending hole of Trifle
0: I did <laughs> I was engulfed by custard <laughs> You uh you
1: trifled too much. I did. <laughs> uh, one could say even it was not a trifling research hole.
0: But should one
1: <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> so
0: the main thing I learned is that We've been eating sweetened cream for a very long time. Okay. Um, with such beautiful names as Wimwam and Flummery.
1: <laughs> I've heard of a Flummery.
0: Yeah, a Flummery is kind of a set custard. Okay. Um, which, like trifle, also just means sort of... It's like a dismissal thing, specifically flummery is like insincere flattery.
1: That is great. That is fantastic. I'm going to start using that. Anytime someone like gives me an insincere compliment, I'm just going to say, I don't need your flummery. Um,
0: so yeah, there's flummery, wimwam a uh, syllabob, which... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably more well known than Wim Wam and Flummery, (laughs) Um, which sounds like a children's show. (laughs) It does, Wim Wam and Flummery. Um, (laughs) But the earliest reference to a food called a trifle um, is from 1598.
1: That's quite old.
0: Um, or possibly fifteen eighty five it depends on how exactly you're defining trifle um this one calls it um a kind of clouted cream called a fool or a trifle in English, okay um which fool is sort of a yogurty, creamy fruit
1: Yeah, dessert. I understand a fool to be f- fruit puree mixed with cream. Essentially.
0: Yeah, that's that's a, a fairly good definition, I think. Um, okay. Whereas the earlier um, trifle is cream flavoured with sugar, ginger and rose water. Oh, that sounds good. So not, I think a bit more in the sort of custody realm
1: so it was originally of kind extra. of like a, a custard without all the um, biscuits and yeah. things
0: yeah it's basically an eggless custard mm-hmm. um, yeah just sort of a sweetened cream we don't add um, jelly until um, Hannah Glass who we've come oh. up before in the 18th century Mhm. Um which seems to be sort of you've got the rise of ice houses. So it's okay. a lot easier to actually have a jelly dessert. Mhm. Yeah, so you can you need to you need to refrigerate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to got to keep your jelly cool. Um
0: there's some Absolutely gorgeous illustrations of trifles actually in uh, Mrs. Beaton. Oh including one that's just stacked with fresh fruit on top, which looks absolutely gorgeous. Yes.
1: Can um, we have a can we have a trifle picture on the on the page? We definitely can. Excellent. One thing that I'm
0: actually struggling to find is when we started putting cake in. Okay. Um, so there's a Scottish version um, known as a tipsy laird. I like it already. A Southern American version called a tipsy cake. <laughs> and an Italian version called a zuppa inglese, which just means English soup. <laughs> um, which That's also have the cake soaked in either um, some sort of alcohol generally a rum or um, in the Scottish version like a whiskey Mm -hmm. but there's definitely a trend of soaking the actual cake in jelly which um, there's some speculation that it's basically Mm -hmm. Victorians using up leftover stale um, sponge cake
1: (laughs) That sounds like a thing they would do
0: Which I mean is very it's not really what you think of when you think of Victorian food. you think of this i mean or even trifle generally, it's this big, elaborate thing with lots of creaminess in it, and so, like,
1: yeah, well, I guess you do think like in a crystal dish when you can see all the layers with loads of fruit on top,
0: mm um interestingly, you also get sherry used in the. Take a lot in the Victorian era, which seems to be sort of the accepted way of doing it now.
1: Okay, yeah, sherry trifle is is kind of the standard now.
0: Mm. Um, but trifle definitely came back as a lot of questionable food choices did. I think once <laughs> refrigerators became a common thing. Mm-hmm. So we're talking sort of 50s through to 70s. There was basically this explosion in the popularity of trifles to the point that in the 70s it was considered cliche to serve your guest's trifle.
1: A trifle explosion. And I just find
0: this, this specific date of sort of trifle overload in the 70s interest (laughs) Angel Delight was released in 1967 really? yeah for people who don't know which is pretty much going to be anyone who isn't British um, Angel Delight is a sort of powdered blancmange
1: yeah it's like a it's like a flavoured custard like instant one yeah um,
0: I realise Blumange probably isn't a hugely helpful descriptor.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not... Like
0: it, kind of like an American pudding?
1: Yeah, it is like an American pudding, um, which is a custard, right?
0: It's somewhere between a custard and a mousse, from what, what I can gather. Okay,
1: yeah, that, <laughs> that kind of describes... An description of Angel Delight. Yeah, that's Angel Delight. I've always hated it.
0: Um... I love Angel of Light.
1: But it basically, <laughs>
0: in in just a few years from its release, it doubled the value of the instant dessert market. Wow, which is impressive, um, and was actually advertised by Wallace and Gromit. Really, in, in 1999, there was an advertising campaign kind of trying to bring it back because people were kind of losing interest in it by this <laughs> point. You know, it was almost 2000. We don't really want instant lemonge anymore.
1: Oh, Angel Delight is so 20th century.
0: But it's coming back. It's currently sold in um, five different flavours,
1: okay,
0: including two sugar-free ones.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was coming back as like a nostalgia thing.
0: Oh, there's definitely a nostalgia factor, I think.
1: Mm. It just reminds me of um, school dinner desserts, though. See,
0: one of the schools I went to had food so bad that it put me off the idea of most foods. But Mm. what they did have was chocolate angel delight with hundreds and thousands on.
1: I guess it's difficult to get that wrong.
0: Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, you you eat the mushy vegetables, the the weird oh. potatoes with the watery eggs. gravy. Yeah. And then you get a bowl of chocolate <laughs> with <laughs> sugar on top. Is basically what that is.
1: Nutritious fuel for your learning. <laughs>
0: with it being so custody as well, I have seen people suggesting using it as an ice cream base. Oh, that's interesting. Which is something I plan to try next week. I'm getting some butterscotch angel delight. And I'm going to try and make it into ice cream. Wow. So I will let you know next episode how that goes.
1: That is true experimentation.
0: So... We kind of come back around to trifle through Angel Delight um, because one of the sort of serving suggestions for Angel Delight is layers of different flavours.
1: Ah, so you buy more Angel Delight?
0: I mean, probably. But also (laughs) it sort of comes back to that concept of a layered sweet cream dessert. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, just the whole Angel Delight concept really is bringing it all the way back to things like Flummery and Syllabub. Wow. Just, here is a bowl of sweet cream with a
1: flavour in it. Are you saying Angel Delight is hipster trifle?
0: You know what? I wasn't, but now I am. <laughs> and also I kind of want some Angel Delight now
1: feel like i could maybe handle it in a trifle it's the texture that i didn't like the kind of thick um like soupy sweetness so if there were layers of cake and stuff in between i could mm. probably handle it
0: or possibly as an ice cream we'll see how my mm. experiment
1: goes
0: <laughs> good luck <laughs> it's, it's the 28th of july now my, my Angel Delight is coming with my Asda order on the 1st of August.
1: Okay. So we will see. I look forward to the, um, the missions reports.
0: And I promise there won't be any flummery in my description.
1: I hope there's no whim Wam either. Oh, heaven forfend. <laughs> <laughs> Wim Wham in this podcast? <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, that is the results of my trifle wiki hole.
1: That was fantastic. I enjoyed that dive into trifle.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds unpleasant.
1: No, it doesn't. I'd love to dive into a giant trifle.
0: But all I can think of is that gif where someone fills a crock with shaving foam and then oh, puts a no! in and it just comes out of all the holes. That's
1: all I can think of. Why would you bring that up? That's the most uncomfortable image I've ever seen. We have to post this to the Twitter now, don't we? Just for context. I suppose so. Well done, Liz.
0: <laughs> it's okay to have it saved on my computer
1: oh. for the specific
0: purpose of making our D&D group uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> it works. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mod-, I'm Mod Paper from probably Bad RPG Ideas, and we have a podcast. If you'd like to hear RPG advice on how to use assorted incredibly bad ideas as actual ideas in an actual game, then listen to the probably Bad podcast, available on pretty much every podcaster. And remember to have a probably Bad day. Can I change the subject? I, th- I think you probably should. Can I talk about Perry?
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to bring up shaving form.
1: Thanks. <laughs> that's, that's good of you. Um, so, for local larder this week, um, I am going to talk a little bit about peri, which is not a member of Little Mix. Um, it is a form of alcohol made from pears, or as it's often known these days, pear cider, which is a controversial term. So I'll get into that in a bit.
0: Oh, This is bringing us back to one of our very early episodes, isn't it? Where you talked about
1: fruit wines. I think it is indeed. And I think I can clear up a bit um, from there when um, I remember you were asking me about the difference between a wine and a cider. I was. So a cider, as it turns out, is fermented using the natural yeast um, that are on the skin of the fruit, whereas a wine has yeast added to it. If
0: you were trying to make a cider and added some yeast to make it go faster, you've technically made wine.
1: I guess, yeah. Um, And it's slightly debatable whether or not perry is a fruit wine or a cider. Um, But cider is kind of a fruit wine anyway, so it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It's all delicious. (laughs) It's all Um,
0: alcoholic fruit juice.
1: Yeah, essentially. Um so alcohol's been made from pears since Roman times, at least. It's mentioned in Pliny's writings, um, but or Pliny, or Pliny, I guess, I should say. Um, I apologize to any ancient Romans who listen to this podcast. So <laughs> there is a saying um, in the three counties of Worcestershire I think it's Gloucestershire um Herefordshire and Worcestershire and the saying is plant pears for your heirs which I like and it means that if you're going to plant pear trees or a pear orchard you better be ready for your children to maintain it because pears take pear trees take up to 30 years to mature and bear fruit which is much longer than apple trees or cider trees, um, which might account for the decline in popularity of peri. Also because pears have to be hand harvested. You can't get a machine to pick pears because they're so easily bruised. So that obviously drives up the labour cost and you can't really get day labour, agricultural labour anymore um at least in most of Europe so yeah it's more expensive to harvest takes longer to mature um and also perry pears are not really edible so what the pear that makes the best perry is not the pear that you can eat unfortunately so that means that you would have to have an orchard that's dedicated to just perry pears and that's your income from that orchard um do so you th-
0: know, since um, you mentioned Worcestershire, mm-hmm. if the black Worcester pear, the symbol of the county, is that, presumably that's a, a peri pear?
1: I did not know that, but that would make sense because apparently there's a lot of varieties of, of peri pears in Worcestershire and in those three counties. And it's it's a drink that was often made there. Um, I'm going to have to find out. Yeah. So those are some of the reasons that peri isn't so popular today. Although it is kind of coming back with the whole real ale and real cider movement.
0: Yep, it is a culinary pear. Ah.
1: It does not okay. truly ripen. Interesting. I guess that's a, a cider pear or a peri pear then.
0: can also be used in pear pies. Ah. But I've never come across a pear pie. So I'm assuming that its, it's primary use is... is I mean, I've had... Very...
1: I've had the odd pear crumble. That's pretty good. Oh! Um, sorry, you... I've just
0: seen that there is a reference in um, Winter's Tale to um, pies made out of Worcester pears. Really? Warden pies. Ooh... that sounds so pretty for interrupting but yeah no. course, so it was interesting to me
1: <laughs> good interruption Shakespeare's always a good interruption <laughs> well usually so um yeah perry pears not great to eat and dessert pears apparently don't make very good perry um apparently some perry pears are well there's one variety that will actually burn the inside of your mouth <laughs> oh wow which is unexpected <laughs> You can imagine being the kid scrumping that pear. (laughs) You wouldn't do (laughs) it twice. Yeah, you would not. (laughs) Um, So apparently there was a brief revival of pear-based alcohols in the 1960s with Baby Sham. Baby Sham's perry? Baby Sham is perry. Yeah. In fact, before I went to research that, I found out because I mentioned what I was going to talk about to my mum and she said that yeah baby sham is um a pear drink um apparently it's not like exactly peri, it's more sugary it's like a sparkling sugary drink made from pears um but it essentially it's you know a pear alcohol and um yeah it was a, it was rebranded as this glamorous 1960s drink that came in a like a champagne glass um And and had blue foil on the tops of the bottles. And apparently, my uh, grandparents would have it at Christmas. Um, And my mum also told me that um, my mum and my uncle would buy a flagon of cider for my great grandfather at Christmas, which is a great present. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So baby sham is kind of a pear cider, Um, less popular today it's yeah it's kind of a, a 60s thing but what is quite popular today is flavored ciders um like the recorder leg or the um i can't remember any other brands but uh, Bulmers do them i think yeah they do um so those are debatable um this is where the controversy comes in yeah so um, everything. <laughs> I'll give you all the gossip. <laughs> all the Perry gossip. Still the Perry. <laughs> well, it's mostly like an argument between Camera and the cider trade industry. Now, Camera, if you don't know, is the campaign for real ale. Um, I can't remember what it all stands for, but it's it's the campaign for like promoting real ale. Um, which was quite big in the nineties, early two thousands, but it's kind of it's happened now, like real ale's back. Um <laughs> we did we did do it. Um but I love I love camera controversy because it's always so petty and it's amazing. <laughs> so camera dispute the term pear cider to refer to uh drinks made from concentrate so those fruity ciders made by like record and bulmers and and those kinds of things um they are made from concentrate not from actual fruit juice so they'll get the concentrate they'll make it up with water and then they'll ferment it and make the drink and they'll often add apple juice or something um this and
0: that... does feel overly pedantic to me
1: oh yeah because... oh yeah
0: Concentrate is basically how they make it last and ship it better.
1: <laughs> it so is,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm against camera on this.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence because on the one hand, um, I think peri, I guess, does refer to, if, if you're going to call it a peri, it probably does refer to the, the traditional method, like the actual fermented fruit juice. Um, but that doesn't mean that pear ciders or like fruit ciders aren't good. Um, I guess it just refers to the way that they're made. Um, although I guess I do these, I, I tend to just use pear cider interchangeably with Perry because it's kind of the same thing, really. It's just a difference in the way that they're made. But if you're looking for a real ale type thing, I guess Perry would be the one to go for. Um but sometimes it's a nice summer day and you just want like a passion fruit cider or something, which is tasty. Don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> um, I do enjoy the strawberry and lime alcohol free cider, which I guess is just juice.
1: Oh, sparkling juice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very nice. But yeah, definitely tasty. Um I think that's Copperberg. Oh, Copperberg. That's the other one I was trying to think of um and actually given that the popularity is coming back which i mean maybe that's a good point in the favor of free seasiders because they're bringing back the desire for that kind of thing so maybe it's it's getting people back into perry as well um so people are trying to revive the old varieties of perry pear apparently there are at least 100 varieties that are still extant and they have Fantastic names, for example, Lake Treacle, Merrylegs, Mumblehead, Lumberskull, Huffcap, Longford, and Stinking Bishop. Three and that is how
0: sound like ways to describe someone who's <laughs> had too much perry. <laughs> they do.
1: <laughs> you Lumber Skull, <laughs> you Huffcap. <laughs> um, uh, apparently, that is how Stinking Bishop cheese is made as well, and they wash it in that variety of juice huh mm. I wonder if they go together Oh, that would be interesting nice cheese board with a glass of Perry
0: hmm
1: hmm so yeah there you go that is a wild and wonderful dip into Perry I was not expecting so much controversy <laughs> It is a bitter dispute.
0: Bread and Thread bringing you all of the hot gossip (laughs) from the world of
1: fermented fruit drinks. The stories you really need to know.
0: (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, If you want to suggest an episode or a local larder, you can email breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com.
1: You can also find us on Twitter at breadandthread. Um, And we have a Patreon of the same name where you can find instructional videos, recipes, uh, chat servers, and all sorts of good stuff. So we will see you
0: next time.